0: Christ is risen. Christ. Yes, indeed. Well, my name is Brian Asker. I'm one of the pastors here. Sandy and I are married. We love doing ministry and life uh, together and pastoring this church. And when I was four years old, when I was growing up, I told my parents that I can't see out of my left eye. To which my parents responded so kindly and said, Well, why don't you just close your right eye and then they would hold up their hand with you know any number of fingers and ask me how many fingers am I holding up? To which I could always give them the answer. Well, it wasn't until I got to kindergarten and the nurse gave us an eye test and the nurse said to my parents, you know, Brian has trouble reading the letters with his left eye. And so we went to the eye doctor and sure enough, through a series of tests, we learned that I was legally blind in my left eye. My eyesight in my left eye was so bad that my brain was literally shutting off the information. It was saying, this isn't really worth anything, (laughs) so you can disregard it. (laughs) And had I continued in that path, I would have lost all sight in my left eye. But fortunately, it was caught, I got corrective lenses, they made me wear a patch on my good eye to teach my left eye that indeed, the information that my left eye was giving me was, in fact, valid and useful. And today, I can see because that was caught. And I can see fairly well, although I will tell you, at some point in time, I did have to give up on my dream to become a professional athlete. Seeing depth perception is not my best trait, and it's kind of hard to become a professional baseball player or a professional basketball player if you can't see depth perception. So I kind of missed out on that calling. And so here I am today. I am now your pastor leading this church because you don't have to have perfect eyesight to be a pastor. Um, But here's the thing. Your brain may not be shutting off the information from your five senses, but chances are it's shutting off some information because it doesn't fit in with the ways that you think about life or the ways that you conceive that life should be. Psychologists call this phenomena confirmation bias. You see, we really like to be right. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. That's not a lot of fun. You might notice this in some people that you know. We might call them the eternal optimist. Or maybe you know the other person, the eternal pessimist. And when you run into somebody like this, you know, that has that eternal optimism sort of thing, there are some consequences to never really looking at that. For example, I was talking to a friend this week, and he was telling me about his business. He started a business with a friend, and this friend was the eternal optimist. And so when the financier was telling the friend, the business partner, that, hey, there's some trouble here, that business partner never relayed that information over to the business, to my friend, who's the entrepreneur. And so they never made any course corrections. And when the financier finally said, yeah, it's over, the business shut down. So we can see how confirmation bias has some significant uh, impacts in our life. And here's the thing. I don't want you to miss out on the resurrection today. The resurrection is the most important event in our history and it has implications for our lives today. So we're gonna be in the book of Luke today. We're gonna be in chapter 24. We already saw the beginning of chapter 24 in that uh, Lego video. And what happens in our passage today that follows that video is that two disciples almost miss out on the resurrection. So let's see what their story is and let's see what we can learn from them. Beginning in uh, verse 13 of chapter 24, it should be up on the screen, uh, here, so you can follow along. Now, that same day, two of them, the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So we're not really told why they're headed to Emmaus. Doesn't really matter, but. We don't know fully what's going on there. We also don't know what kept them from recognizing Jesus. Whatever it was, they were not able to recognize him. But what we do know is that they were talking about everything that had happened over the past couple weeks. And Jesus suddenly came alongside of them and started walking next to them. Now, this is not really unusual in ancient Near East times. If you were traveling along, other people might join you for a season or for a period of that walk. And when Jesus does this, he comes up and asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked them, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus asks, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Now, that third day is a reference back to a couple early portions in Luke where Jesus predicts that he's going to die and that on the third day he will rise again. So in addition, it says, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us what what they had seen, a vision of angels who said, he's alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. You see, the disciples had been expecting that Jesus was going to liberate them from Roman control. That's what they were hoping for. That's what they were longing for. And so when your leader dies, is crucified, that's about the worst thing imaginable. This guy was going to redeem, liberate us from the oppressor. And now he's dead. That's not the plan. That's not how it was written out. It's hard to start a revolution when you're dead. But they do have some new information. The women had gone to the tomb and they had found it empty. And There was an angel there that had proclaimed that jesus is risen but did you notice here maybe when the passage was getting read and listened to on the lego video and what they say here there's a slight difference they changed it to the women had a vision so they're not quite sure that the women were telling the truth or that they knew what they saw The woman had a vision that an angel said that he was alive. The earlier portion clearly proclaimed that the angel said it was true. But it does say that they did not see Jesus. And so we can understand. If we're the disciples, we can understand the kind of disappointment that they would have. We can understand the kind of confusion that they might have. What's going on? I don't get it. Things aren't fully adding up. It's not making sense. Because I think we're a lot like the disciples. We understand, I think most of us understand, that if there's a God out there, that God has great power, that God must have the ability to do all sorts of things unimaginable for us. So we have great expectations for what God could do. And the question for us to wrestle with today is, what things are we expecting God to do? Or what things are we hoping that God will do in our life? What sorts of things do you have that you think, God, I want you to do this. You could do this, and I want you to do it. Maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's in our world. Maybe you're hoping for a promotion at your job, but you haven't gotten it. Maybe you are a student, and you just want to get some good grades, and you're struggling. Maybe you're hoping for something in a relationship and it's not happening. Or maybe it's something with your health, and you're just struggling. Well, Jesus says to these people, in their place of confusion and disappointment, he says, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all the things that the prophets have spoken. Now, caveat, this might sound a little harsh, and it might be, but the the meaning here is, is that they don't understand. Uh, And I think it's a little bit more factual than condescending, although it could be, you know, we're different times today. We might not talk like that today. Uh, But either way, it goes on to say, did not the Messiah have to suffer? To suffer these things and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went with them and stayed with them. Now I find it fascinating that they haven't quite figured out who Jesus is yet. But they're intrigued enough and they like him enough that they actually want him to stick around. They want to spend some more time with him. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're not yet following Jesus, but you're intrigued enough about who Jesus is that you want to stick around and explore a little bit more. You might ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. And so what happens is that Jesus sticks around, and in verse 30 it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then it says, Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from them. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? It says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. We don't know exactly what kept them from recognizing them. We don't know exactly what expectations um, they had for who Jesus would be. We know, sorry, we do know that they had expectations for who Jesus would be and we do know that they were disappointed and that they hoped that he would liberate them from the oppression of Rome. But we also know that they didn't fully understand the scriptures. And they needed Jesus to reveal himself to them personally. And I think sometimes that's what we need. We need Jesus to reveal himself to us personally. And we miss Jesus because we have certain expectations for what Jesus or God might do in our life. And I wonder what it would look like for us to surrender those expectations and let God reveal himself on his own terms. Maybe you're somebody who needs some more time in Scripture. You need some help understanding Scripture. Maybe you need to jump into a small group Bible study and spend some time studying Scripture with other people so you can learn more about Scripture. And maybe some of you need Jesus to reveal himself to you on that personal level. Just so you know, you need to be prepared that it might not be on the terms that you have. In this story, Jesus meets them at the table. The table was a common, everyday thing that they did. It wasn't something extraordinary. It was normal. It was average. They were eating bread, something that many of us still today do regularly. It was an average thing that revealed Jesus and who he was to them. See, Jesus meets them where they are. They're doing something in their everyday life. And Jesus wants to meet us wherever we are in our everyday common things in life. And sometimes we just need to open our eyes and see that God is at work in the ordinary things of life. And while God wants to reveal himself in the ordinary, I also don't want you to miss the reality that the resurrection is extraordinary. There's something amazing about that, something that has never happened before or again in history. And these disciples didn't miss that fact either. In fact, it says that they got up at once. They ran back to Jerusalem because something was new. Something was different. They realized that something had changed. Jesus had died, but Jesus had also risen. Jesus was alive. And they remembered the story in a new way. They understood the story of God in a new way. They understood that God had created the world for good. And they had this great relationship with God. They had this great relationship with the world and with each other. But then along came Adam and Eve And they rebelled against God. And Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit that God had said not to eat. And when they did that, all of creation was broken. And it's why we experience health issues, it's why we experience brokenness in our relationships, why we experience disappointment and confusion in our world today. And it's why not everyone gets what they need or has what they need. But God had promised a Messiah to them that would save them from the broken world. Jesus, who was God, was also that man, that Messiah. And Jesus talked about this thing called the kingdom of God, where God's will would be done in all sorts of places on earth, where people would experience healing, where people would experience freedom figuratively and literally. And people would get what they need. They would have what they need provided. Jesus took on our brokenness on the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross, our sins were forgiven. So all the ways that we contribute to the brokenness of the world have been forgiven. And then the resurrection was the proof. Three days later was the proof that Jesus was the promised Messiah. The one who could and would heal people and provide everything that they needed. And one day when Jesus comes back, all things are going to be made new. Until then, Jesus invites us to open our eyes, to not miss out on the power of the resurrection, to repent and to believe. Repent of the ways that we contribute to the brokenness of the world and to believe that Jesus is the one who can forgive us and can make a difference in our world. Because Jesus was able able to overcome death, Jesus is able to overcome anything that we have in our life because death is the thing that is the worst of all things. Nothing can compare to that. So today, my invitation for you is to say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to trust that Jesus is indeed the one who was the promised Messiah, who can Bring healing, can bring freedom and provision. So I want to invite you all today, if you want to believe in Jesus and if you already follow Jesus, to join me in saying a prayer. If you're not quite there yet, that's okay. I hope for you that someday that you will be able to say the prayer with us, but if you don't, there's no shame in doing that, not doing that today. Um, my hope for you is that you'll be able to say it someday, but that also that you will open up your eyes and look for God in the ordinary, in the ways that God would reveal himself to you. Let's end with a prayer. Let's say it together. Jesus, I believe that your death and resurrection broke the cycle of brokenness in the world and in me. I acknowledge my responsibility in contributing to the damage in the world. I receive your forgiveness. I choose to follow you and to let you be my leader. I receive your spirit. Amen.